Hebrews 11, verses 11 through 2, record this. By faith, even Sarah herself, when she was unable to have children, received power to conceive offspring, even though she was past the age, since she considered that the one who had, who had promised was faithful. Therefore, from one man, in fact, from one as good as dead, came offspring as numerous as the stars of the sky and as innumerable as the grains of sand along the seashore. Would you join me as we pray and thank the Lord for this passage? Gracious Heavenly Father, we, we do gather today to worship. We gather this morning to give you thanks. We gather this morning to make, make much of your Son. So, Lord, we thank you for this particular scripture today that teaches and enlightens us about the, the cause of faith, the effects of faith, the blessing of faith, and the result of faith. So, Lord, I ask you that now as we walk through this message briefly, that you would bless those who hear. Father, help me to speak truth and only truth. And uh, may you and may we be blessed. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If I were to remain just in this verse... Um, and read this verse that we just read. The truth is, uh, the verse is fairly self-explanatory. I wouldn't really need to go any further. I could read the verse, move on from the verse. We could go to Cracker, well, not Cracker Barrel, but you know what. You know, we could order in, if you will, or order out, or whatever the phrase is. Um, the problem with that is if we take this passage by itself, then we are in danger of falling into the trap of the prosperity gospel. Because if somebody were to read this out of context of all of scripture, you might begin under you might believe that well, I'm not receiving what I need or what I want because I just don't have enough faith. If my faith were stronger, I would get exactly what I want or what I need. And the problem with that is rarely do we understand all of God's will for our life. Now, we understand the scriptures. We understand God's will as it is uh, demonstrated to us in his word. But the, the, the intricacies of what God wants, us, wants for us in our individual lives is unknown to us. We know the broad, uh, the broad uh, uh, strokes, if you will. We know in general what his word has for us in general from a, from a spiritual and a theological aspect, what God wants for us. But for the individual, like those really specific nuances that are in, that, that's in our life, who, who does God want me to marry? Um, how many children does God want me to have? Uh, what job, what career does God want me to, to go after? What school does God want me to go to for college? Those types of things. The Bible doesn't address that in specifics. He just doesn't. And so if we read just this passage, we might think that we're not getting what we want because we don't have enough faith. The problem with that 
is that the audience of this author understood the whole context of Scripture. They knew the Old Testament. They knew the story of Sarah and what she went through, and that she, in fact, did not have perfect faith. And so what I want to do is briefly just do a reminder to you all about where Sarah came from, where Abraham came from, and then I'm going to pick apart just a few little aspects of that to hopefully give us a little bit of insight into our own lives. Now, before I begin, I want to use just one sort of illustration, if you will, or if I could, just a, uh, just a, a bit of a testimony actually from a song, and it's this. It is, it is far too often in our lives that we are impatient, that we are impatient. In fact, my guess is, is that we are impatient exponentially more than we are patient with the Lord and with our loved ones. We are just impatient individuals. We want it now. We want it now. Um, we, we, we even manufacture in our culture, we manufacture genetically crops that grow faster because we want it now. We just can't wait. I don't want to wait for my corn. I don't want to wait for my broccoli. I don't want to wait for my tomatoes. Now, when we turn into zombies five decades from now because of our genetically modified agriculture, we're going to blame it ultimately on our lack of patience. But that's just who we are. We want it now. We don't want to wait, right? And we see this across the board. And in particular for our message today, we want what God has for us or what we believe God to have for us right now. And there's a danger in that. There is a song that was written entitled Daily Bread. It was written by a woman named Jill Phillips. Now, I may have shared this with you all before. I know I've shared it individually with some, and I've shared it in my former ministry. Um, I don't know if I've shared it in a message today before, but if I haven't, um, I want you to hear this. This is a song called Daily Bread by Jill, Jill Phillips. And in this, the point of this song is to talk about how God is faithful in fulfilling His promises, but He's faithful in His own time. That He is not on my timetable. He's not on Christie's. He's not on Crystal's. He's not on Lucas's or Derek's. He's on His timetable. But He is faithful. And this is the, these are the four lines that she mentions. And I love this. I want you to hear this because I do believe it just cries out truth from Scripture. She writes this, You have the wisdom, you, meaning God, have the wisdom and the patience. We need the grace to see it clear. Too soon we would take it all for granted. Too late is more than we can bear. Do you hear that? is that if God were to act on our timetable, we would, begin, we would begin taking God's gifts and God's answered promises for granted. And you know we would. You know we would, because when we are given something sooner than we expect, we're grateful for about an hour. But then what happens? It's not soon enough later, right? Well, we want it even sooner. We want it sooner. We want it, we want it quicker. Because that's the way we are. We, take it, we will take it for granted. But imagine that if God did not answer on time, then it would be more than we could bear. Because God is right on time. And that's where we are 
this morning with the story of Sarah and Abraham. This message is entitled, Waiting on the Lord. It is important for us to learn how to wait on God. It's important, it is crucial for us to learn how to wait on God. Because if we don't, if we don't, we will begin getting disillusioned by God, by His working in our lives. And we will start looking at other individuals and start measuring what God is doing in their life and start getting disillusioned in our own life because God is just not acting in the same, at the same rate, at the same speed, and in the same way in my life as he is in Amber's life or in David's life or in Timmy's life. And I want what God is doing in their life. I want that for me. Yet we are not willing to wait on what God is doing in our life. There is a beauty in waiting on the Lord. And we see in Scripture where individuals do not wait on the Lord, and it ends up causing pretty bad issues in their life. And then we see eventually where they do wait on the Lord, and they are blessed. So let's talk about just a little bit of a background story with Sarah. So in chapters 15 to 21, we get this saga of Abram and Sarai, or Sarah, if you want to pronounce it that way. And eventually, after the gift of circumcision, that covenant, they, God changes their name to Abraham and Sarah. But in this whole span, Abraham and Sarah have been, have, have, there's been this covenant made with Abraham that God has promised them that they will have an heir. Okay, they will have an heir. The problem, though, is that Sarah is barren. So kids, what that means is, is that Sarah cannot have babies. She cannot have a child. Abraham can, but Sarah can't, okay? So she's barren. But God has made this promise that they're going to have children. How is it that Sarah can have a child if she's barren, right? And so that's where we are. And so God had already promised Abram about a blood heir. And Abram's worried because he thinks that one of his servants is going to end up being the heir, right? And so this is what God says. This one will not be your heir. Instead, one who comes from your own body will be your heir. He took him outside and said, look at the sky and count the stars. If you are able to count them, then he said to him, your offspring will be that numerous. Now, Abraham and Sarah are impatient. They are impatient. God has made this promise, but Abraham is worried. Now, just let me just make a little side note to this, okay? When we have children, we look at children as a blessing, I hope, all right? We look at children as a blessing. They're a joy. They're amazing to have around. But when individuals in the Old Testament looked at their children, it was far larger of a concept. They were looking at their children not just as their progeny, who would bless them during their time, that they were heirs to their name, that these children would carry on the family, if you will. These children would carry the inheritance forward. These children will take care of us in our old age. Now, far too, not many people today have children thinking, I better have multiple children because I'm going to get, I'm going to be needed taken care of one day. Now, once you get a certain age, you're hoping that they will do that, right? We're hoping that my children still like me enough to take care of me in my old I, I Bailey, you were going to take care of Jody, right? Okay, okay. All right. So, I mean, that, that's a hope that we have, but that was something that they were looking forward to in the Old Testament. So it was much larger than what we see. 
And so they were growing impatient. And Abraham said, I guess since I can't have kids or since my wife can't have kids, somebody else is going to have to be my heir, right? And God said, no, you are going to have children from your own body, okay, from your own body. But rather than waiting on the Lord, what does Sarah do? Sarah says, I'm impatient. We need this child. So instead of, instead of us waiting on God to answer that promise, we're just going to kind of step in and we're going to do what God's not able to do. And so Abraham, here is my servant or my slave. Have a child with her. And so he gives her or she gives him Hagar, their slave. And that's exactly what happens. Abraham says, well, okay. Now, just real quick, this would not have been an unusual thing during this time. We look at it and we're like, oh my gosh, this is crazy. I'm not saying it's not sin. What I am saying is it's not unusual. This would have been common during that time. But it demonstrates the lack of patience and dare I say, the lack of faith that Sarah and Abraham both demonstrated in waiting on the Lord. And so after this, after Isaac is eventually born, spoiler alert, this event even causes strife. So Isaac is eventually born, and then there's this strife between Ishmael, Hagar, and Sarah. And we're like, we're going to have, so what do they do? They have to send Hagar and Ishmael away. Now, let me make one comment just real quick. We are prone to saying that Ishmael and other children in a similar situation, are illegitimate children. Folks, that's not true. Ishmael was not an illegitimate child. The situation was illegitimate, but Ishmael was not. Ishmael, all right, was a child like any other child born. And so I just want to kind of throw that in there as a little thing. Far too often we think of children born in circumstances that we don't necessarily think of as pristine eventually in the church, we immediately say, well, that's just illegitimate. Folks, there is not one child that's ever been born that has been illegitimate. The situation might be, but not that child. And so we bless and we love them. Anyway, that's just an aside. I thought I wanted to, I just want, wanted to mention that. All right. Now here's the other thing I want to mention here. Okay. So we see the impatience with God from Abraham and, and Sarah, but I want you to notice this. All right. Even in their impatience, even in their sin, what does God not do? It's not mentioned really in the text. It's not focused on, but I just want to highlight this. God did not strike them dead. God did not strike them. He would have been perfectly in his, in his, uh, in, with the right of just striking Abraham and Sarah dead right then for disobeying and for not waiting with faith, but he didn't. Why not? Because he made a promise that his people were going to come from that line. So let's look at the renewal of the promise. This is in chapter 17, verses 15 through 16. God promises again to give Abraham, to give Abraham and Sarah a child. And it says here, God said to Abraham, As for your wife, Sarah, do not call her Sarah, for Sarah, or Sarai, for Sarah will be her name. I will bless her indeed. I will give you a son by her. I will bless her and she will produce nations, kings, peoples will come from her. Now, we would hope that Abraham's reaction from that would be, thank you, Lord, for doing this. Thank you for blessing us and giving in our old age. Lord, I'm 100 years old. Sarah's 90. We're not spry. And folks, this is after the fact where people were living like 900 years old. 
Okay, so this was normal lifespan. Abraham's like, I'm old, all right? Sarah, she's old. We can't bear children. Thank you, Lord, for blessing us. We would hope that that would be Abraham's response. But what does he do? The Bible says he falls on his face laughing. He begins laughing. Now, I, I had to read this real carefully because I'm, I'm thinking, I'm, I'm trying to give Abraham the, the benefit of the doubt, right? We want to do that. And we're thinking, well, maybe he's laughing out of joy, right? Sometimes when we're really happy, what do we do? We laugh, all right? We just, ex, ex, we just expound in laughter. No, that's not what was happening. He was in shock and in disbelief because then he begins questioning God. Like, how in the world can this happen, right? How does this happen? So Abraham laughs in shock and disbelief. God eventually makes the same promise to Sarah, and she laughs. And you know what we see here? God does not strike them dead. He would have been perfectly in his right for them laughing at him to just strike them dead. Now, here's the interesting thing. In between this little scenario, what we're not going to talk about, is we have this issue with Sodom and Gomorrah where God has just revealed that his wrath can be poured down. You also have the situation with Kim Abimelech. You know who I'm talking about, right? Okay. We have that issue there as well. And so during this year in between the promise and them eventually having Isaac, you have this, this uh, time frame, if you will, where God is absolutely demonstrating his power in their life. And then what ends up happening? God comes through. Chapter 21, verses 6 through 7. Sarah said, now this is after she has had Isaac. Sarah said, God has made me laugh, and everyone who hears will laugh with me. She also said, who would have told Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? Yet I have borne a son for him in his old age. The laughing of disbelief has been turned to a laughter in joy. Can you believe what my God has done? Sarah and Abraham have grown up during this period of time. They've witnessed what God has done, and they've begun trusting what he has done. And so God answers his promises on his timetable. Now, this is something that Sarah and Abraham were struggling with. They were wanting God to answer his promises on their timetable. They wanted a child now. But he has his own timetable. He has his own chronology. He has his own providence that is going to come into play. And folks, we do not want God acting before or too late than his timetable. Because his timetable is absolutely perfect. I can share, I could share with you time after time, but very specific moments in my life, a few where I wanted something so badly, and I wanted it right then. And I even tried to pull a Sarah and try to intervene, and it didn't work out real well. But when I waited, and while I waited, I prayed. By the way, waiting does not mean slothfulness. Waiting does not mean laziness. Waiting just simply means waiting. And we're going to talk about what you can do while you wait. Then God steps in and you realize it was the perfect timing. 
it was the perfect timing. If it had happened before, if it had happened too late, it wouldn't have worked out. But God's timing is absolutely perfect. God will not be rushed in fulfilling His promises. He won't. God, you are not going to rush God. And if you do rush God, it will turn out badly. You may have a child that you have been praying for, praying that they would come to salvation, praying that they would straighten out their life. And you will be praying sometimes in bitterness that they, that God would intervene into their life. Why has God not intervened in their life? We cannot pretend to know the fullness of God's mind and what He has in store. But what do we do? We wait. We simply wait on the Lord and we continue to pray. We're not going to rush God in fulfilling His promises. We cannot twist God's arm by forcing Him to fulfill His promises on our timetable. We cannot do this. If we begin doing this, and here's what I have seen in my own life, all right, and what I have witnessed in others' lives, is that individuals who are bitter at the Lord, who are bitter at the Lord, and who get upset at the Lord, and who are even angry at the Lord, because they don't feel as if God has treated them fairly, or treated them in a way that their compatriots have been treated, what I often see is that that bitterness stems from impatience. They're impatient in waiting on the Lord. It's not that God won't act. It's that God is not acting when they want Him to, or in the way that they want Him to. I bet you if we took a poll in here, and we won't, but if we took a poll right now of everyone in here where you have something very specific in your life, where you said you prayed for something, God did not answer that prayer on your timetable, and He did not answer it in the way that you wanted, but He answered the prayer. I guarantee you that all of us could raise our hand and say, we are better off for it. We're better off for it. And some of you all are in a season in life where you are still seeing that playing out. What, God, what is God going to do with this aspect of my life? I don't understand why I'm here. I don't understand where I'm at. But Lord, I know that you do. I know that you're still working. You're not done yet. I'm just going to wait on you. I'm going to wait. I'm going to pray. I'm going to worship. I'm going to serve. I'm going to love and I'm going to expect that God is going to move. But I'm going to wait because God has been faithful in the past. He will be faithful in the future. And I'm going to accept what he has for me. So God answers his promises on his timetable. Number two, God uses people who sin and who have imperfect faith. Is that not a thankful thing? This is the season of thankfulness. Here's what I'm thankful for. That God uses sinners and people who lack faith. God still uses them. If God only used perfect people with perfect faith, then Jesus is the only one that God would ever use. But he doesn't. 
we kind of get this nostalgic nursery rhyme view of Abraham and Sarah, that they were somehow different. Folks, Abraham and Sarah were rotten at times. King David, rotten at times. Throughout the scripture, they were rotten at times. But God still used them. Sarah and Abraham, by the way, this one incident with Hagar was not the only incidence of impatience and the only incidence of sin. But what we do know is that God grew them up and grew their faith. And so God uses people like that. Health and wealth charlatans blame unanswered prayers on the lack of faith of an individual. That's what they'll say. And so if you are, if you're lacking in, if you're not, if you don't have a prayer answered, all right, they will say, well, then you're lacking faith, right? Let me ask you this. How much faith does it really take? Do we have a measuring stick for that? How do we know where that's at? We don't know where that's at. We just trust the Lord. And that's one of the problems with the health and wealth gospel. Abraham and Sarah both laughed at God. Some might even say that they mocked him. But over time and through difficult circumstances, God grew their faith. And so God works on his own timetable. God uses people with imperfect faith. Thank the Lord for us that that's possible. And here's the last thing. And I've already kind of mentioned this. It's this. God fulfills promises in a way that makes it impossible that makes it impossible to give anybody else the credit. What do I mean by that? When God answers his promises eventually, no one could ever explain it away that it wasn't God. For instance, you know, if we trust, if we try to rush God or improve upon what God has promised, we are always going to shortchange ourselves. Look, I mean, look at what Sarah and, and Abraham did. They rushed the timetable. We're going to intervene. We're going to do it our way instead of God's way. And what happens? The result was not the plan that they had intended. It was not a perfect plan. But when Sarah offers Hagar to be a substitute rather than waiting on God to act, Ishmael was born. Now, Ishmael wasn't illegitimate, but the situation was illegitimate. And at that point, God cannot use Ishmael for the same purposes. He's going to use Isaac. And at some point, if that was the case, if God said, well, we'll just use Ishmael, well, what then we say is that the, the genealogy or the promise was answered in part to be by what Abraham and Sarah did, that they had involvement with that. But that's not the way God works. God always works in a way that is very evident that he is the one doing the work. When God acts, he uses a hundred-year-old man who was on his last leg and a 90-year-old barren woman who was completely worn out physically and emotionally to carry out this covenant. Now, which is a better story? is the better story for the lineage of Jesus that he came from an illegitimate servant to Abraham because Sarah was impatient and barren, or is it the fact that God steps in to a 100-year-old man and a 90-year-old woman while she's barren to produce this miracle child that the lineage of our Savior is going to be born through? Folks, I like that story better. No one is singing songs about 
Hagar and Ishmael. No one's singing songs about that. But we do sing songs about this. One of the challenges of the prosperity gospel is that it demands your best life now rather than enduring with patience the time we have here to receive what God has promised in the future. Do we see that? That's what they want to do. Have your best life now. I want all my reward right now. And the problem with that is there is no reward in the future. But as Christians who believe the biblical gospel, we endure what we are dealing with now for the promise that we have a reward in the future. And that reward is Christ. Abraham and Sarah wanted their best life now and it backfired. They wanted an heir and they wanted to be taken care of. They wanted that societal security. But we see by God's grace that Sarah and Abraham received the faith necessary to receive the blessing that was theirs. But it took time, which goes back to this verse. Listen to this verse from Hebrews again. How do we know that Sarah, that she eventually garnered this faith? By faith, even Sarah herself, when she was unable to have children, received power to conceive offspring, even though she was past the age, since she considered that the one who had promised was faithful. Folks, that was not her mindset earlier. But God grew her up in the faith. So that was her mindset. It was a gift. So let's finish with this. Waiting on the Lord, waiting on the Lord does not imply a lack of faith. It does not. In fact, I would say that it demonstrates faith. Folks, it takes more faith to wait patiently on what God is doing than jumping head over heels into a situation without knowing all of what God has in store. So wait on the Lord. But here's the deal. So kiddos, listen up to this, okay? You all can use this as well, all right? We're getting ready to shut down here, so listen up. While we wait on the Lord, we don't dawdle. We don't dawdle. We're not slothful and we're not lazy. So what do we do while we wait on the Lord? Here's the first thing. We pray. People who are waiting patiently on the Lord are praying. They're praying that God would intervene. They're praying that God would act. They're praying that God would open their eyes and open their ears, open their hearts, so that they could see what God is doing in their life. They're praying that God would increase their patience even on him so that they can continue to wait patiently. People who wait on the Lord serve. They don't just sit back and not involve. They don't say, I cannot serve the Lord right now because I'm waiting on the Lord. That's not, that is not the attitude of a faithful follower of Christ. We say, we're going to wait on the Lord, but we're going to continue to look to where God is working, see where God is working, and we're going to serve with him there. So they're not lazy. Thirdly, they worship. Individuals who are waiting on the Lord worship the Lord. They study. Individuals who are waiting on the Lord crack open their Bibles and they read the Bible. They read the Bible. It is, it is an outstanding number of times how often 
I have been, I have waited on the Lord for a particular answer to a particular situation. And then I open his word and I find the answer right there. Oh, that's where it was. It wasn't on a signpost out by the side of the street. It was in his word. Individuals who are waiting on the Lord fellowship with God's people. They do not deny working with, serving and worshiping with God's people. They fellowship with God's people. They join God's people. How often have we found what we are looking for in and amongst God's people? And finally, and this is the last one, people who wait on the Lord expect the Lord to act. We expect it. You know, when I pray, when I pray, and I'm not patting myself on the back because I'm not, I'm not uh, nearly good enough at this, if you will. But oftentimes when I pray, I expect God to answer. I expect Him to answer. Why? Because He's done it in the past. He's done it in the past. I expect Him to answer. Can I share this one small funny little anecdote? Just as, this is a funny little anecdote. It's not a serious situation at all. I've shared it with a couple of you all, but let me just share it with you all, okay? You all know that I deer hunt, right? I deer hunt, and this year I've deer hunted more than I've ever deer hunted in my life because I had time, right? All right. So a few weeks ago, on a Tuesday night, I got up, and I went in the afternoon, and I went hunting. And on the way to my blind... I prayed, and I often pray when I'm, when I'm hunting, sometimes just to pray, and sometimes I do petition the Lord. This particular afternoon, I was praying, and I meant it. I said, Lord, I just want to see some deer. I just want to see some deer, and I'd love to see one big deer, just one big deer, all right? So I did that. I prayed that, and sure enough, nice small deer walks right in my way. And as it got too dark, that little deer got spooked. Not by me. I took a bath. It was spooked by something else. And I looked off in the distance, and what did I see? A nice big deer. And here's what I, I'm not kidding. I said, thank you, Lord. That's what I wanted. Now, some of you all might think, well, that's just a coincidence. I don't. I believe that God answered. Now, that seems silly, right? It seems silly. But the way I look at it is like, God's faithful, you know? So what did I do the next morning? I prayed. I changed my prayer a little bit. I said, Lord, let me be just a little more specific. And if you think that I'm joking, I am telling you, I said, Lord, let me be a little more specific. Let me see the big deer in the daylight when I'm ready to shoot. And that deer showed up, and I shot him, and I got him. He's a taxidermist. It's glorious. All right? Now, folks, if that deer had not shown up this season or next season, all right, I'm going to be bummed, but I'm not going to think that God is not faithful. That God has his own timetable. Now, that's a ridiculous little scenario, but I could use, and I don't, we don't have time for this this morning, but I could use a very similar scenario with a longer time frame with my wife that I prayed that God would bless me with somebody like Crystal. 
Now, she didn't come walking in the next morning like that big deer. And I wouldn't have shot her anyway. All right. But God did put somebody in my, and you all know exactly what that's like. Praying for something and waiting for something, eagerly expecting God to move. I expected that God was going to put someone in my life that would compliment me and help me as I walked with Christ. And he did. Would I have preferred that it happened sooner than it did? Absolutely. It'd be kind of bad if I said, I'd wait, I wish he had waited longer. That wouldn't sound right, would it? All right. No, I wish, I personally, I wish that I could have had more time with Crystal. But after 18 years, I find out it was the perfect timing. Because God had to grow me up. I had to grow up. Wait on the Lord. But while you're waiting, don't just lie around. Pray, study, worship, fellowship, and expect that God is going to move. Don't try to manufacture an answered prayer on your own because it will never do it justice. God has the perfect answer at the perfect time. And we just wait. We just wait.